0: Well, Merry Christmas. It's great to see all of you this morning. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you are a parent with a child, um, as a father of four, I know that children are very good at making noise. And uh, if your child happens to make noise, I know that sometimes as a parent, you can feel very self-conscious about that and worried, you know, to try to keep them quiet. Listen, this is a family worship service. So we're really glad that your kids are in the room. And I just want you just to have the pressure off, all right? It is all right if they make noise. Uh, To hear the sound of children in this place is a good sign. It means there's life in the church. And so uh, we want to welcome you. And uh, your kids can feel free. If I ask a question, let them talk back to me. Let them call out. The more noise they make, the faster I go, okay? So uh, I hope that you are comfortable here. We're so glad that each and every one of you is here and uh, able to worship together this morning. If you have a Bible with you, I wanna invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. I do have uh, two sermons, it turns out, from this passage. I'll probably only get through about one and a half of them. Uh, But Genesis chapter 12, I wanna preach a Christmas sermon from the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 12. A number of years ago, Amy and our family, uh, we all lived in Hobbs, New Mexico. We bought an older house and uh, began to renovate it. And one of the things that we did was that we painted a, a, a dining room. I don't know why we were thinking this at the time, it made sense, but we painted it red. And it took us several hours and uh, into the night, we painted and we finally got the thing done and had a bunch of leftover paint in the little paint tin. And so just walked outside our driveway and uh, got my water hose and just poured out that red paint onto the driveway and kind of hosed it off and you know, job well done until the next morning when we woke up and got our coffee and went out to our front porch and it looked like a murder scene (laughs) because our whole driveway was just stained red and then down into the gutter. And then as the paint made its way down the street, Our neighbor's uh, driveways had red paint stained in it. We were so mortified. We were just so embarrassed that we'd made such a rookie mistake. And so we tried to hose it off. You know, we got a pressure washer. We got scrub brushes. We got the Lysol and the bleach and all the stuff that the FBI uses to clean up the crime scenes. And (laughs) nothing worked. And if you go to this day on North, North Acres Street in Hobbs, New Mexico, you will see that permanent red paint stain because we were idiots. (laughs) You know, as a pastor, I talk to a lot of people who sometimes feel like the mistakes that they have made in their life are so bad that they believe it has left a permanent stain in their life. Some people will say to me, Pastor, I feel like I made such a mess and I tried really hard to get the stain out, but no matter how hard I seem to try, it it seems like the stain won't come out. And, And sometimes people wonder, have I made such a big mess of things? Maybe that God's blessing in my life is not even possible. Maybe you've wondered that. Maybe you've said, if you would be honest with me, pastor, I've done some things that have brought shame and brought guilt and I feel like I'm stained and I wonder if the stain can ever come out. And I wonder if because of my mistakes and because of my failures, if I have given up any hope or any chance of God blessing my life. That would be a natural question to ask when you get to the end of Genesis chapter 11, because Genesis 1 through 11, up to this point, the story is just story after story, episode after episode of human failure. Adam and Eve fail. Cain and Abel fail. Uh, The generation of Noah during the flood, that generation fails. You come up to the Tower of Babel, that generation fails. You even come up to the end of chapter 11 and Abram's father, Terah, he fails. Genesis 1 through 11 is just failure after failure, full of human sin and failure. And you you might reasonably ask, can God bless the world when there's so much failure in the story? Has humanity messed up so much that the stain of sin can never be erased? Can God bless me even when I've failed? I'm thankful we have a Genesis 12 because the answer that Genesis 12 gives us is an emphatic yes. That despite human sin and failure, no matter your background, no matter who you are or what you've done, God can still bless you. The stain of sin can be removed through God's work. Genesis chapter 12 marks a new section in the book of Genesis. Uh, If you trace the story, beginning of the story begins with creation. Then you have the fall of mankind. Then from Genesis 3 through uh, chapter 11, you have the fallout of mankind's rebellion. But now in Genesis chapter 12, you have a new section in the book. You could just label it covenant covenant. God makes a covenant promise to his people and you're going to see that carried out throughout the rest of the book of Genesis. God works even despite humanity's failures to choose a family, the family of Abraham who he'll bless and through whom he'll bless the world. And that's really what the rest of the book of Genesis is all about is all about. It follows the story of Abraham's family, a covenant people who belong to God and through whom God will bless the world. And so here's the big idea of the text this morning as we look at the the first few verses of Genesis chapter 12 together this morning. Here's the big idea, that despite the sins of the past, God's intent to bless mankind remains intact. That's a good place for an amen. That's good news. God who blessed Adam and Eve has not had his purposes thwarted. Despite human failure, despite human sin, God still intends to bless His people. God, listen, is relentlessly committed to blessing His people, even in their failure. Amen? That's good news for you. Only if you're a failure. Only if you've made some mistakes in your life. Only if you've done some things that have brought guilt and shame. It's only good news for you if you've actually sinned. That even if you have sinned, even if you have failed, God is relentlessly committed still to bring blessing. He can still bless you regardless of the stain of failure. And we see this in two ways this morning. God makes a promise to Abraham. That's one of the ways that he blesses him. And God has a purpose for Abraham. So we'll see how far we get this morning. I'm going to read the text and then we're just going to walk through as much of it as we can. Let's look at verse one. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will, here's the promise, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you are to go be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went just as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran You remember from last week, he left with his father and his family from Ur, 600 miles north to Haran. Now they're in Haran receiving this call to go, and they're going to complete the journey from Haran, 550 miles down to Canaan. Verse 5, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your seed, uh, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there, he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And he built an altar to the Lord there. And he called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. All right, so God makes a promise to Abraham. This is an evidence that no matter what you've done, no matter your failure, no matter how much you feel stained, Abram's family had failed. Abram was sinful and he's part of this human story where it's full of human failure that despite all of that, God can still make promises. God can still bless. God's promise, notice the nature of the promise. It's a promise of blessing. Five times in three verses, you have the repetition of the word bless, or blessing, God says, even though you've made mistakes, even though you're part of this human story filled with failure, I am going to bless you. Notice the promise is unilateral. God just simply takes the initiative. God says, this is something I'm going to do. He takes the major role in the promise. Five times in three verses, you have the repetition of I will. I will make you great. I will bless you. I will uh, bless the peoples through you. It's unilateral. This promise is also universal. It doesn't matter who you are. This promise that God makes to Abraham touches everyone who has ever lived. Whether you realize it or not, this promise to Abram has something to do with you and it's something for you. This promise is unilateral. It is universal. It is also unconditional. Sometimes the promises of the Bible have conditions attached to them. Like when God gives the 10 commandments to Moses and he tells the people of Israel, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. That's a conditional promise. If you do this, I'll do this. Not so with the, the promise to Abram. This is an unconditional promise. God says, I'm gonna make this promise to you regardless of your performance, even though you're gonna sin, even though you're gonna fail. And if you track through the story of Abraham, as we will over the next several weeks, you'll see that Abraham makes many mistakes. His faith is not perfect. The very next episode in chapter 12, Abraham is going to fall on his face in failure. But God's promises to Abraham are not based on Abraham's performance. They're simply based on the faithfulness of God. It's an unconditional promise, it's, it's sheer grace. God says to Abram, I'm gonna bless you and there's nothing you can do about it. How many of you would like to be blessed by God like that? Even if you fail, even when you fail, you're still gonna be blessed, why? Because I'm good and I'm choosing to do this. And so regardless of your performance, regardless of whether you keep the rules, regardless of your mistakes, I'm just gonna choose to bless you. That's what God does for Abraham. Now you may wonder what makes Abraham so special. To receive that kind of blessing? Here's the answer. Nothing. And that's really good news. There's nothing special about Abram to deserve this. In fact, prior to this, you know almost nothing about Abram other than the fact that he's an idol-worshiping pagan from Ur. And yet God, out of his sheer grace, just decides to pour out blessing on Abraham. A no one from nowhere. And that's kind of how God's blessing works. God doesn't give blessing to the people who deserve it. He doesn't give it blessing to the sort of special people. God just chooses to pour out blessing and grace on people. That's good news for you. Guess what? You're nobody special. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm nobody special. I'm just a normal person. I'm just a person. I'm Joe Six Pack without the six pack. I'm just Joe, I'm nobody special. There's nothing special about me that sort of merits God's grace or love. I'm just a nobody from nowhere that God simply decides to pour out love and grace and mercy and blessing. That's how God's grace works. If it was something earned or deserved, it wouldn't be grace. So that's God's promise. It's just sheer grace. Now look at the components of the promise. Notice, first of all, God promises a place. Go, verse one, to the land that I will show you. Verse 7, I will give your offspring this land. The first thing God says to Abram is, Look, I'm calling you out of your home, but I'm gonna give you a home. I'm calling you to leave the familiar, but I'm gonna have a place for you. There's gonna be a land that I'll show you. Here he's making available for his people a, a home, a place, somewhere to call his call their own. It's never been fully fulfilled. The Jewish people, even to this day, have never fully inhabited the land. That God promised. But the Bible tells us one day God's people will inhabit it because Christ is going to return. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. God's presence is going to fill the earth and in new creation, God's people will inhabit fully the promised land. For the first aspect of blessing, God just simply says to Abram, I'm going to have a place for you. Sounds like what Jesus said to his disciples, doesn't it? When he says, I'm going from you and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know, one of the ways of thinking about salvation, of thinking about a relationship with God is God preparing a home for us. God welcoming us home. We are rebels. We are prodigals who've run far away, and yet God prepares a place. He prepares a home. Here he says to Abram, I'll make a home for you. There's also the blessing of a people. Look in verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. God says to Abram, you're going to have a lot of descendants. Now, you ought to stop right there, because if you remember from last week, chapter 11 and verse 30 tells us that Sarah, Abram's wife, is infertile. She couldn't have children. So this is a miraculous kind of promise. God's going to have to really come through in a big way if this was going to happen. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abram would be wondering, how's that going to happen? My wife can't have kids. This is an impossible human situation, but that's kind of the point. God likes to specialize in miraculous births, doesn't he? We're celebrating one of them today and tomorrow in this time of the year. This is a promise. God says to Abram and his wife, Sarah, I I am going to show up. I'm going to do What is impossible? I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourselves. You have a human problem, infertility, but I'm going to move in a powerful way, in a miraculous way. And that human obstacle is no obstacle for me, God says. That that human impediment is no impediment to me. That human difficulty and brokenness is no difficulty for God. God can do anything. He specializes in the impossible. And so he makes a promise, an impossible promise. I'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. There's also the blessing of provision. You see it in verse two, I will bless you. The word bless there means to cause you to prosper. That's what God says to Abram. I will show my divine favor on you. I will cause you to prosper. God is gonna take care of Abraham as he leaves behind his people and ventures into an unknown future and a location of a land that God will show him. There are all kinds of unknowns. And God here promises that, Abram, as you take a step of faith, as you walk into an unknown, scary, risky future, Abram, I am going to take care of you. I will walk you by the hand. I will provide for you. You're going to have days on that 550-mile journey from Haran to Canaan where you're not sure where the next meal is going to come from. But I'm telling you, I'm going to provide for you. I will bless you. You're going to wonder where you're going to get the water for the journey. God says to Abram, I will be next to you. I will provide for you. Some of you in this room are facing circumstances where you're not sure how it's all going to work out. You're not sure how that bill is going to be paid. You're not sure how you're going to make it to next week. Listen to the Lord who makes a promise to Abraham. He, he is a God who sees and a God who provides. He says, I will cause you to favor, uh, to, to experience favor. I will take care of you. Everything that Abraham would need to flourish as he makes this journey down, God says, I will be right there with you, providing for you each step of the way. Doesn't he do this in the life of Israel as well? As they come out of Egypt and they go into the promised land and there are times when they don't have food. And so what does God do? He brings quail and manna. Nobody knows what manna is. The word manna in Hebrew means, what is it? (laughs) That's literally what it means. What is this? I think it was something like a Krispy Kreme donut. I don't know that, that's just conjecture, but he provided something good. There were times when they were gonna thirst to death and God says, okay, I'm gonna provide miraculously water from a rock. There were times when water was in front of them, an entire Red Sea, how are we going to get through? And God says, just hold the staff up. I'm gonna open up a way. God is the God of provision. He makes a provision for Abraham. There's also the blessing of promotion. You see that in verse two, I will make your name great. I'll make your name great. Great can mean big. It can also mean important. And I think that's what's meant here. He's saying to Abram, this nobody from nowhere, this idol-worshiping pagan from Ur, you're a nobody from nowhere, but I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you into something. I am going to use you. The nation of Israel would be great. The, The legacy of Abraham, his reputation, his name would become important. This unknown man from Ur, would be promoted in such a way that God Himself would come to be known as the God of Abraham. That's what it means for Him to be made great. God specializes in taking unknown little people and using them for His glory. Aren't you thankful for that? He specializes in the Joes without the six packs who nobody knows and aren't that special in the world's eyes, the small people of this world, God specializes in tapping them on the shoulder and doing a redeeming work and saying, I'm going to use you in a special way for my glory. That's the story of Abram. This is the story of so many people throughout church history. You think about D.L. Moody who worked at a shoe store in Chicago and no one, nobody knew who D.L. Moody was. And yet God tapped him on the shoulder and changed his life and used him greatly for his glory. You think about an unknown farm boy from North Carolina who went to a revival meeting under a tent. No one knew the name of Billy Graham. But God took the little people of this world and he touched him and he used him to preach the gospel to probably more people than anyone else in human history. God specializes in taking the small little people of the world, the useless unknowns, unnamed, nobodies from nowhere and saying, I'm going to use you. I'm gonna make you into something. I'm gonna use you for my glory. That means that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter the stains in your life, God can use you. Another good place for an amen. Amen. All right, there's also the blessing of protection. Look at verse three. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. This is a promise to protect Abram. God says to Abram, I love you so much, your friends will be my friends, your enemies will be my enemies. I'll take steps to protect you from your enemies. Think about what Abram's gonna walk into from Haran down to Canaan, a land filled with warring tribes and how is he going to make it? God says, listen, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to protect you. I will be your sword and your shield. I will be your defender. I will be your fortress. I will be your protection. I will make friends with those who are friendly to you. I will be enemies of the ones who are enemies to you. God promises Abram protection. When Abram would walk into that dark night, God would be his light. When Abram would work, walk into that scary, risky, dangerous future, God would be the one walking walking right next to him, being his protection. It's a promise of protection. And not only did God do that for Abram, he did it for the life of the nation of Israel, fighting their battles for him. He is a God who protects. There's also the blessing, not just of a place and a people, not just a blessing of provision and promotion and protection. There's also the blessing here of a plan. A plan. You say, what's the plan? Well, look down in verse three. All the people's on earth will be blessed through you. That is God's plan. God says to Abram, not only am I gonna take you a no one from nowhere, and I'm gonna give you a home and I'm gonna make a people of you and I'm gonna take care of you and I'm gonna make you into something and I'm gonna walk, watch over you. God says to Abram, not only am I gonna bless you, but you're gonna bring blessing to the world. I'm gonna make you an agent of blessing to others. That's the way God's blessing always works, isn't it? God blesses us so that we will be a blessing, amen? If you've been blessed by God, your calling is to be a blessing to others. And this is what he says to Abram, you're going to bless the nations. So no matter what people group you're part of today, every single person in this room, you are part of all the peoples of the earth. That means that the Abrahamic covenant, this promise to Abram, is something that affects you. This was a promise God made to Abram, but not just for Abram. It was a promise made to Abram for the peoples of the earth. Now, how is God going to bring blessing to the nations through Abram? Well, there's a little hint down in verse seven. Look down at verse seven. God appears to Abram, the Lord appears to Abram and said to your, what does it say there? Offspring. I will give this one. It's the word seed. Now that ought to ring all kinds of bells for you because this word is an important word in the book of Genesis. The first time it shows up is Genesis 3.15 where God promises Eve that one of her offspring, her seed will crush the skull of the serpent even though the serpent will bruise his heel. That's a promise. One day, Eve, you're gonna have a special offspring and that offspring is going to be bruised by the serpent. But ultimately will defeat the serpent by by crushing his skull. And so the question becomes, well, who's that seed going to be? Who's going to be the special offspring? Who's going to be that special descendant who's going to crush the skull of the serpent? But then you come to chapter 12, and here it is again, this offspring. God says, there's going to be a special seed, a special someone, a special descendant. And not only will that offspring crush the skull of the serpent, even though his heel will be bruised in the process, But that same offspring is going to be the one through whom blessing comes, not just to the Jewish people, but to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation of the earth. And so that becomes the prophetic hope that the Israelites begin to look forward to for thousands of years. Who's the seed? Who's the offspring? Who's going to be the special someone? Who is that masked man? You know there's two answers if you go to Sunday school. Two right answers to any question. Yes or no. Jesus, right. And that's the right answer here. Who is the special seed? Well, you just get to the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of your New Testament, and Matthew identifies him. The genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew wants you to know that this prophetic expectation and hope, this special seed, this special descendant, this special offspring, this special someone... Who's going to crush the serpent, even though he will be bruised? Who is going to bless the nations? That special offspring is none other than Jesus. That's why this is a Christmas sermon. Because that's what we're celebrating in the incarnation, that Jesus is not just the son of God, he's the son of Abraham. He is the one through whom God will bless the world. That means no matter who you are, God can bless you through Christ, if you're in Christ. Amen? We talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of union with Christ, union, being united, joined to Christ. If you are joined to Christ, all that is his can be yours. If you're in relationship to him, the benefits that are found in him can belong to you. We have this possible. this uh, principle in play with insurance policies because your children will be on your insurance policy, mom and dad, until what is it now? 55? I don't remember. (laughs) They just changed the rules, but 25, something like that as 27, 26. And you don't have to pay your college debt. That's pretty good. All right. As long as they're related to you, they get an extension of your benefits You see, that's what happens when you come to know Jesus Christ. As long as you're related to Him, you can receive the benefits that belong to Him. You say, Pastor, where are you getting that from? I'm getting it from Galatians chapter 3. Look on your screens. Galatians chapter 3. I just want to read you a couple of verses here because uh, the Apostle Paul mentions the promise to Abraham. And this whole bit about an offspring, a seed. Listen to what he says in Galatians 3 and verse 16. He says, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his, there it is. See it? Seed. Now he does not say, and to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one, and to your seed. Who is the seed? Paul tells us who is Christ. What Paul is saying is, hey, don't misunderstand. The promise to Abraham, it wasn't just to the Jewish people writ large. It was to one Jewish man, Christ. He is the seed. But here's the deal. If you're in Christ, the promise has come to you. Look down at Galatians 3 and verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Do you see that? What what Paul is saying is the seed through whom blessing would come is Christ. But if you belong to Christ, then you're an inheritor of the promise. That means that Genesis chapter 12 is not some dusty old promise to Abraham that just mattered for a people way back when. This is a promise that is for each and every one of you as long as you are in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then all of God's promises that are fulfilled in Jesus, the benefits of those promises are extended to you. That's what we're celebrating on this Christmas weekend, that God brings blessing to all the peoples of the earth through Jesus. This was the plan in its embryonic stage right here in Genesis chapter 12, to a promise to send a blessing bringer. Amen? Amen. That's what you get to celebrate at Christmas. All right, now here, let me give you the last half sermon. All right, that was sermon number one. Here's, I'm not gonna get to the full sermon number two, but just the first half of it, all right? God makes a promise to Abraham. He also has a purpose for Abraham. He has a purpose. And I want you, don't don't miss it. It's easy to read over. Genesis 12, verse one, and the end of verse two, there are two commands that God gives to Abraham. The first command is the beginning of verse one. The Lord said to Abram, go, go. From your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. Go. And then verse 2, the very last phrase of verse 2, English translations really do harm a little bit here. It says, you will be a blessing. That's true. Abraham would be a blessing. But this is actually in Hebrew a command. You be a blessing. That's what God says. So you take the two commands. God says to Abram, here's my purpose for you. Abram, you idol-worshiping, pagan, nobody from nowhere. I will bless you. I will give you all these things, but here's what I want you to do. I've got a purpose for you. Go be a blessing. Go be a blessing. Folks, I can't think of a better way to summarize the task and mission and purpose of every follower of Christ than this, go and be a blessing. We've failed, we have stains of sin, and yet God chooses out of his sheer grace to show us mercy, to bless us, to make promises to us. And once you're a recipient of the promises of God, you're entrusted with a purpose, Go and be a blessing. You've been blessed by God. Now you go and be a blessing. What would it look like for you this year upcoming in 2024 to say, you know what? I'm going to make it my purpose and my mission. I've been greatly blessed by God. I'm going to go and be a blessing to others. That's the task. Go be a blessing. That is Abraham's purpose. It's our purpose. It's the purpose of every follower of Christ. It's why when we say at the end of every service, we don't say, moberly, you're dismissed. You're not dismissed. What do we say? Moberly, you are You're sent. That's why when you drive away from this campus, you'll see signs at every exit. You are about to enter your mission field. Why? Because we're called to go and be a blessing. Why are we focusing on neighborhoods in the next year? Being neighbors who love our neighbors and show our neighbors the love of Christ. It's because we are called to go and be a blessing. What would it look like for you to say on this Christmas Eve morning, I'm gonna commit in the next year to go be a blessing. That was Abram's purpose. It's our purpose. And guess what? That's exactly what he did. Now, this is the part of the sermon that we're not going to get to. But let me just say a word or two about it, all right? (laughs) That's what he did. He did it. He went and he was a blessing. God calls him to go. Verse 4 says, so Abram went, just as the Lord had told him. That phrase is important, just as the Lord had told him, because Four times in Genesis 6 and 7, that phrase, just as the Lord had told him, is used to describe Noah. Here, Abram is an obedient man. He is going to go and be a blessing by being obedient. He's going to go, not like Jonah. Jonah, God calls him to go, get up and go. He gets up and flees. Not Abram. Abram says, you've given me a purpose. You've redeemed me. You've shown me sheer grace and mercy and blessing. I'm going to go just as you've called me to go, that's how you go be a blessing. Be obedient to the Lord, whatever he's called you to do. You go do just as the Lord has commanded you and God will use you to be a blessing, amen? Here's the last thing, for real this time. As he goes, just notice what Abram's doing. Okay, I wanna show you a map. Did you notice he's moving? Verse six, he passes through the land to Shechem and then begins to go south Uh, Verse 9 says he journeys by stages to the Negev, all right? Look on the map here. You'll see Shechem is in the northern part of Canaan, the top. And then you see the Negev desert is the southern part of Canaan. So what's Abram doing? He is walking through the land from the top to the bottom, north to south, by stages, Shechem, all the way down to the Negev. And do you see what Abram is doing as he goes? Did anybody see it in the text? What is Abram doing as he moves north to south through the land? He's building altars. Did you catch it? Twice. In verse seven, he built an altar to the Lord. Verse eight, he built an altar to the Lord there. You know, you see what he's doing? He's moving top to bottom through the land, the stages north to south, and as he goes, he's building altars. It's kind of like some of you were, you remember this, 1968, the moon landing, right? Some of you were there, not on the moon, but oh, <laughs> in your living room watching on a black and white box. And you remember Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, they land on the moon, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And then they did exactly what you'd expect an American to do. They take a flag and the moon belongs to us now. That's just like America, right? It's ours, world. Plants a flag, stakes it out. The moon belongs to America. There's a sense in which that's what Abram's doing in the land of Canaan. He's just moving through the land north to south and just planting a flag saying, this belongs to God now. And he leaves altars. I love the way that Derek Kidner puts it. He says, the only structures Abram left behind him were altars. Boy, what an amazing legacy to go from being a nobody from nowhere, an idol-worshiping pagan, to receiving the promises of God, being entrusted with purpose from God. And your legacy, what you leave behind are altars that point people to God. Folks, that's how to go be a blessing. Amen? Amen? That's how to go be a blessing. I'm so thankful that even though we are stained by sin, God can repurpose us. He can do something in our life to remove that stain. He can give us a purpose so that we can go be be a blessing where our life, our family, our church can just be a monument to God, an altar to the Lord. Amy, a number of years ago, got into this thing where she would take old pallets, uh, you know, that should be thrown away, just trash, and she would repurpose it. She would paint it, different creative things. And that's like a whole trend, or it was a trend a few years ago anyway. Guys, if you want to check it out on Pinterest later, you can check it out. Uh, But people take pallets, you know, something that is useless. It's just, it's trash. And they repurpose it. My dad did this a number of years ago, turned it into wood floors in our house, beautiful oak wood floors. Some people will take it and turn it into a dining room tabletop. Amy would turn, you know, paint a Texas flag, plant the flag. And amazing, something that most people would look at and say, that's not worth anything. But in the eyes of someone, they say, I can make that into something that's beautiful and useful. Folks, I don't know of a better picture for grace. God looks at us and the world might say, useless, not worth much. God says, ah, I can pour out grace. I can redeem that. I can turn that person, that no one from nowhere, and make something beautiful and use it for my glory. It's why we sing that wonderful song, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your promises and your blessing poured out, not because we deserve it, but poured out still. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would realize how much they have been blessed. Lord, help us to go and be a blessing this Christmas.